Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 266 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 8th, 2013. We've got a really special show for you this week on the podcast from ESPN Radio, host of The Herd. We have Colin Cowherd coming up a little bit later on the show, and we're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde here in the very first segment about the USC scrimmage that occurred on Saturday. So we're going to get to all that. We'd love to get to your questions. We're going to get to a lot of those too. You can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can give us a call 206-888-6755 and leave a voicemail there or go to peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail right on the webpage. But right now we have Coach Harvey Hyde joining us. What's up, Coach? How are you doing? Ryan, I'm doing great. Uh, one more week of spring practice big scrimmage on Saturday. hope everybody gets out there and, and has a chance uh, to watch the addition, new edition of the 2013 USC Trojan football team. Ryan, you and I have had a chance to see them on Saturdays, plus you're there every practice, so uh, it's good to see what's going on and try to share it with our listeners, and I know a lot of people are excited uh, about the coming season, and I'm excited about the scrimmage. I really am to see the Trojans go out there and put their ones against ones and twos against twos and have it in a game-like situation, not a field possession type of a situation. I don't know if they're going to do special teams or not, but if they do, it'd be interesting to watch how that uh, figures out too. I'm very interested in the special teams as far as the snapper. I have a little concern on the snapping. I've been watching it. Uh, uh, That's got to be an automatic thing for the kickers and PAT Uh, kickers and field goal kickers and holders. And uh, I think in the spring it's been a little off. I think they've got to work on that. So I'd like to see that in pressure situations. Um, All right. Well, before we jump into the show, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call 1-800-888-7287. If you need uh, tickets for a concert, sporting events, theater, we got baseball in full swing, Got some hockey playoffs coming up, basketball playoffs that may or may not include the Los Angeles Lakers, but will include the Los Angeles Clippers. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call, uh, 1-800-888-7287. And, uh, Coach, I just wanted to, before we jump into everything, um, we did last week, we we played a little prank on the Peristyle podcast. And part of the reason why we ended up getting Colin Coward today just to kind of give, give back a little bit, um, but... Uh, Andres wrote in. He said, "I'm glad you guys were just pulling an April Fool's joke last week." Um, and a lot of we've had a, some people call in and, and mention the same kind of stuff. They were a little, uh, they were disappointed that the Peristyle podcast was going away. But it was just a joke. We're not going anywhere. Coach Harvey's still going to be here. We're still going to talk about USC football. Just, just want to let let you know that people were a little upset, Coach, that we did this this prank last week. Well, just to, uh, I'm going to apologize. Now, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not telling you. I'm not taking a hit on this. No, it was my wife's idea, actually. <laughs> okay, blame it on her. But whoever, 
And I apologize, too, because I even got calls from Hawaii on my cell phone where people were calling people and calling to say, what's up? And I said, I apologize. I mean, really, I didn't know it was going to be this type of reaction. So I want to apologize to everybody. I will not do it again. And uh, I'm glad to see that someone out there likes to listen to us. Yeah, we still got uh, – I had to call in. Let me uh, – I'm going to play this. I th- I'll play the beginning of it for you. I was, I was just kind of saddened by this, uh, this, this call, but I'll play you the first part of it so you can hear. Okay. Uh, my question is uh, my husband is, uh, has lost his eyesight and he's enjoyed listening to Peristyle Podcast. Now you tell us that you're not going to be on anymore. Is there some other program that we can – uh, get to that is uh, a, an audio program. Uh, yeah, so I th- I felt horrible and uh, really sorry for that. You know, we're still going to be around. We're still going to do the podcast, and uh, I'm glad you and your husband get to listen to the Peristyle podcast. I'm sorry he had lost his eyesight, but we will continue to talk USC football here on the Peristyle podcast. Wow, now I really do feel bad. <laughs> I mean. Uh, now, 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 I don't know what I can say except I'm sorry. And uh, in the past, I did a show for the national uh, uh, radio. Uh, there's a blind uh, network out there. Oh wow! And they asked, and they asked me to do a show to explain the game of football to them. A lot of them, a lot of blind people, have never seen the game of football, so they don't know about the field or the hash marks, or when an announcer makes a a call such as the quarterback has been sacked. Well, unless you know what sack means or unless you know what toss means or interception means, very difficult to understand a broadcast. And I enjoyed doing that so much because it uh, made me think about now what else or what other terms can we talk about. And and it was really a, 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 a very, uh, say, enjoyable hour or two that I did for that. And, and, I, and I apologize, too, for this, this, this April Fool's thing. And, <laughs> It will not happen again. No. at least not for me. Okay? No, not, I'm very sorry as well. We felt horrible. We don't, you know, we we don't want to scare anybody. We just we're trying to pull a little prank. There was the April Fool's joke, and the Peristyle Podcast five years running. We are here to stay. And like I said, we brought a special guest, uh, Colin Coward, will be on later on the show. Talk. He knows a lot about USC football. Uh, he's you know an East Coast guy. Well, he's a, he's a West Coast guy that lives on the East Coast, so he he kind of. Holds a torch for the West Coast here on the ESPN Radio Network, and uh, I guess he covered you, Coach. Co- Colin Coward was a, a bro- I think it was a five-time broadcaster of the year in in Nevada, in Las Vegas, and he covered you when you were coaching at UNLV. You're exactly right. Uh, he was there. He was a little kid then. Uh, you know, he's very fortunate to get a job as a kid. That doesn't make me too old. See, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I knew him, and uh, he did a great job, and. Uh, and I've and I've done some shows with him out here uh, when he comes on the pregame show for USC football. He comes out normally once a year. Once a year they bring him out to do shows out here in California, and and it's great to see him. And and I I must say I really enjoy his show. I start watching it early in the morning. You know it's a simulcast, so you can watch it or listen to it. And uh, he has good points, and, and I like the herd. He calls it the herd. Yeah. And uh, I, I like it, and, I, and he's a good kid. I have to call everybody a kid now. 
<laughs> uh, coach, okay, well, let's uh, jump into the scrimmage on Saturday. You were in your stealth mode again. Uh, you said you saw me, but you didn't come down and say hello, so my feelings were a little bit hurt. But that's okay. Uh, but I know you you just intently watch what's going on on the field and wanted to kind of get your thoughts, I guess, of uh, the scrimmage. You know, it's the second, it's the last scrimmage really before the full-on spring game. Where, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of everything that went down there, Coach? Well, I I really think that the Trojans are getting better. And they're learning uh, how to play football. And what I mean by that, not that these kids don't know how to play football, but because someone gets hurt, they haven't pulled back and stopped hitting and doing the things that make you a better football team. You don't get better on Saturday during the season. You get better during the week when you continuously practice the techniques and skills that make you a better football team when you go against good players time after time after time and you pursue and you do the things that are necessary to play through a little pain and to play through whatever it takes to win and stop somebody. I saw the defense uh, play well. I know that most people thought that because of the number of yards that were given up by the defense, uh, you know, was was a bad day. Well, it wasn't a bad day as much as it was a a good day as far as for the offense against the coverages that they were facing. And you've heard me talk every week about playing straight man and putting your, you know, your receivers and your corner, your, your, your cornerbacks on, on the Island out there. They're all by themselves. When you do a lot of studying and blitzing with your safeties, you have the whole middle of the field that that kid has to cover this kid. And you've got two of the greatest receivers in the country or the best group of receivers in the country that you're trying to cover which is almost impossible to do. So it it, uh, it put uh, a lot of strain on the corners. And, of course, the quarterbacks, I think, that have really improved, and they were throwing well. Max Brown made the statement, wow, I didn't even know what it was to throw to a guy like uh, Lee. I didn't even know the feeling of it. And he says it's such a great feeling that we're surrounded with these type of talented players. So uh, I think that they're getting better as a team. I think they're tackling better as a team. Uh, and uh, it didn't concern me as much as far as the total yardage they got through the air because I knew that, and I said the number one thing that they have to work on as far as between now and the fall is to decide, and you heard him, Coach Giffen mentioned that Josh Shaw might go back out the corner. They need some corner help, uh, and uh, remember, these kids are covering the best receivers in America and pretty good quarterbacks throwing the football to them. So there's a lot of strain there. Now, of course, everyone else is going to try to do the same thing. I would like to see this week uh, them work on some schemes that would give their cornerbacks some assistance and in, in, in coverages so that they have more confidence. You've got to build some confidence up with these kids, too, that play out there all by themselves. But if you don't build their confidence up, you know, they're going to start playing looser and be scared they're going to get beat and all of the things that you see. Yet, uh, uh, I thought that uh, the offense and Justin Davis is a real deal. I, I was, I, I'm just going to tell you, Justin Davis is as good a running back I've seen there since Alan Bradford. Nothing against the other running backs, okay? But for a 17 or 18, I don't know how old he is, kid to come in right out of high school, get in there and run like he runs and block like he's blocks. I know they've got red and they've got these other backs, and Allen, too, has looked good in the spring. He would never come out of the game if I was coach. 
I mean, and I heard Coach Kiffin make the same comment, hey, the best back is going to play, and I'd say, you know what, I'd do the same thing, Coach Kiffin, because if you don't, you're going to leave him for somebody else because you got to win, and you got to play your best players. You've heard me say every Monday when we do this segment, guess Get your best 22 players on the field. It doesn't do you any good to have great players watch the game. And that's the same thing with the secondary. If they have to move over Flournoy or Blackwell and make him a corner, hey, that's what you have to do. Even Marquise Lee, you've got to stop people. You can't give up the big play. So you've got to find a way to win, and you've got to have guys who can make plays. Justin Davis can make some plays. Uh, so, you know, I thought the receivers are a great group. The defensive line, I think, is I like the three down guys. I really do. Devise having a pretty good uh, spring practice. Uko and Williams and Woods. I watched Bigelow closely. Uh, he's still learning uh, the basics of college football. He can't believe the speed of the game. He can't believe the intensity of the game. I like the kid. I talked to him the day he signed a letter of intent, and he, he's a believer, he's a winner, but he's got to get some experience. And that's one thing he's getting this spring. He's getting a lot of experience, and he's got to learn to play hard every single down. I thought Walker, the big offensive tackle, number 70, played a little harder. I liked it when I saw the offensive line as a unit play. You didn't see a lot of rotation on Saturday with Martin at center. you got Martinez and, and Max Druick at guards. You've got Walker and and craft on, on the tackles. You didn't see a lot of rotation. I like that. They've got to learn to play as a unit, and you've got to keep it that way so that they get more reps and more reps and more reps. So uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, on the second and goal situation down there when they threw a pass, a beautiful play for a touchdown. I would like them to build some confidence in the running game down there and punch it in. You have three downs to get it in, but they threw it for a touchdown pass. I think whenever you can develop your running game and make people believe, and not me believe, and everyone believe that, yes, we want to run the football, then you got to demonstrate it. And I think they got a little bit away from it in the second part of the scrimmage. They didn't run the ball as much as they did the first part of the scrimmage. And I, I think you've got to learn to pound the rock, pound, pound the rock. And you heard the receivers and everybody say how great it was when people have to run, worry about the run. Yeah. So that's just all part of it. You know, it just brings makes your team a better football team when you when you work on all of those type of things. And I know I rambled on here a little bit too much, but <laughs> but what the heck, right? That's hey, we're talking about USC football. We want to hear what you have to say. You were there, you got a lot of opinions. Um one of the things I that I thought was curious was Lane Kiffin said that Clay Helton called about seventy percent of the plays in the scrimmage. So Lane Kiffin was involved, but it was mostly Lane uh, I mean, uh, Clay Helton's show. What do you think about that, what he said there, and what it means? Well, i tell you, I could tell he did, because when he was calling the plays, he wasn't in the huddle. When he was calling the plays, he was in the huddle. And he was sort of making sure that the receivers lined up at the right spot. And so when he wasn't calling the plays, he wasn't. If you notice, he was standing out to the side. He wasn't in the huddle. He was just listening to what was going on. I liked uh, the way Clay Helton called called the plays. Uh, uh, I'm not 100% sure he's made up his mind who's going to call the plays. I'd like to see him make that decision up so that it's over with and 
then he can be, if he isn't going to call the plays, more of a part of the entire team as far as offense and defense and get involved in all the drills and see what's happening on the defensive line of the football. I don't see him much down anywhere on the defensive side of the football during drills and during techniques. I don't see him down with the defensive line. I don't see him over with the linebackers or the secondaries at the early hour and a half before they get to the scrimmage. I see him always with the offense. And I think that if you're going to allow someone to be your offensive coordinator and call the plays, you've got to give the same love to the defensive side of the football. I think you've got to walk down there. So I think he still has a strong feeling as far as being in charge of the offense, watching the offense. When I look at the offense, it's the same offense. I don't want anybody to think it's a different offense. It's exactly the same offense with few bubble screens. They're using the field better. But yet, I haven't seen them take advantage of all of their tight end of all. I'd like to see him. They didn't run the toss one time in the scrimmage. I'd like to see him when they do their running game involved in complete offense so that you start to get a feel when you're calling the plays of how you mix it up and put stress on your corners and your different parts of the game, especially when you're stunning a lot. When people are stunning a lot in a scrimmage, then you run away from the stunts. You don't run at it. You run away from it. I didn't see any short traps or anything this week. I saw one last week. So if the guys are stunning and you're running a toss to the outside and you're reading the end or reading uh, your lead or your fullback, which I hope you you have a lead back, then you take it inside or outside. And and I like to see them run it from a slot set where the slot's away from the run towards the tight end where they have the strength of their coverage away from you. So, you know, these are just terms I shouldn't be getting too technical on, but uh, I think that uh, you've got to uh, – uh, make it like a real game and situation. So uh, one thing I do want to say, which was which was really amazing, I was walking into the tunnel, and Ryan, I don't know if I told you this or not. No, you haven't. I was walking into the tunnel when I got there, and there's this uh, gentleman walking in with me, and I said, hi, I'm Harvey Hyde. I've seen you here all the time at the scrimmages on Saturday, and uh, I just, you must be involved. Your son must be a player or whatever. And he says, coach, how you doing? I said, how do you know who I am? He says, I'm Darius Rogers' father. And I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he says, yeah, he says, I played at UNLV. I came in the year after you left. I said, you've got to be kidding me. So we sat and we talked a long time, and he got on his cell phone and started calling all of our teammates that I recruited all out of Dorsey High School. and They're all going to come to the scrimmage now. Oh, great. On- they're all going to come to the scrimmage. We're going to have a little reunion there as we uh, watch next week's game. But it's really great to see kids and see how their kids grow up, just like George Thomas's son, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, Black Mama at Oregon. You know, he played for a play, uh, one of my players. I told him one thing, though, and I don't want all my F- uh, the FC fans out there to get mad. I said, if I was still at UNLV, you know, those kids would be with me. <laughs> and he says, Coach, I don't know, but maybe <laughs> but but it was great to see these these parents and everybody out there Cody uh Kessler's dad uh, best friend is one of my ex players from Bakersfield Rich Van Horn who uh, was a JC All-American played at Bakersfield College and came up and played at UNLV it's great to see these parents so involved with their kids and driving all the way from Bakersfield every every Saturday, or from Riverside, or Corona, or where they all come from, and and be so supportive to the kids. But don't, because I'll tell you something, those kids know 
their parents are sitting up there. They might not look up and wave, but they've got eye contact. They know when their parents walk through that tunnel and sit down. It is a major feeling for these kids to see how involved uh, their parents want to support them. And that's, I don't want to go on on this topic, but I know that's really important. Um, all right. Well, Coach, uh, two weeks ago when we were at the scrimmage, I think one of the big concerns you had, uh, definitely one of the big concerns you had, was the uh, USC secondary um, and you know, specifically the cornerback play. Uh, obviously, it was a big day. Um, for the you know USC passing game on this Saturday, uh, you know it was, all the quarterbacks seemed to have success. The receivers had success. Any concerns there um, the, because of what you saw on Saturday with the secondary? Anything else? Yeah, I, I have concerns. I've said that all along. Uh, when you play man, you know you're on an island out there. You know you talk about doing different different coverages. We're going to be forced to go to zone. If you can't cover, if you don't have great corners, you can't play man. It's impossible because uh, you give up the big play. You can't put the kid out there. You throw these fades. Look at these guys. We're just catching the ball. They're wide open, and, and the plays they caught, they were mostly all touchdowns, and they never really threw that much to the middle of the field. They threw some deep slants. They hit Telper on one that they just missed, and they didn't really throw to the tight ends much. They threw one, one or two curls that they forced in there but uh uh yes i have real concern i really do i'd say if there's a major weakness on usc's football team it's the corners i'm not talking about the safeties and i'm not saying these kids aren't nice kids and four and five star players but right now they're covering two of the greatest receivers in college football all by themselves and it is tough and one thing i see when Coach Pendergrass is coaching them. He isn't all over their butts when they get beat. It isn't like he throws his hat on the ground or or any of that. It's it's an understanding. He understands what he's asking these kids to do. Doesn't run over, tell him get out of the get get over and give me another corner, give me another corner. This guy can't cover. No, I don't see that, and I think that's great because it's a very difficult thing to play out there. I wouldn't want to play out there. It's probably the most difficult position to play. You can't cover up a mistake out there. When you make a mistake, you make a mistake, and it's going to be a touchdown. I don't think there's another position on the field that happens to. So, you know, to play man, I don't know if they can play man. I think they're going to have to mix it up more. They, not that they won't try and play it at times, but I don't think right now they have the corners, and I think the corners would agree with me if they played receivers Every single week, like USC's, and believe me, there are great receivers in the Pac-12 conference, you'd have to mix it up and play more zone and, and help those guys. Here's a specific question on one of those cornerbacks. We have a voicemail one, so I'll play that for you. Here you go. Hi, my name is Al from Pennsylvania. I noticed people were asking about Devian uh, Shelton, number 17 cornerback. I saw him play in high school. And I thought he played corner like a wolf. He uh, seems very physical, and he actually reminds me of a college version of a Mel Blunt or a Mike Haynes. And I noticed on a little highlight uh, that uh, he got beat on a post corner by uh, Lee, but he seemed to recover pretty good. And he got there when the ball got there. He just went out of bounds. I just wondered what the coaches 
or uh, Ryan thought about uh, his potential to be uh, a starter or a good player. Thank you. Fight on. Thank you very much for your question. You know, uh, he's a kid out there, redshirted last year, and, and he's been on the field a lot this spring. And he's a tough kid. He's a tough kid. Now, he'll make a mistake, but you expect kids to make a mistake. I mean, uh, uh, he'll miss a tackle, but he'll make a tackle. He'll come up and hit you. And it's a very difficult thing for a young player to play at the speed. That's when I. That's why earlier when I said Justin Davis, the way he's adjusted as such a young player coming in is absolutely fantastic. But I think so. I think he has a, a chance. You just got to bring him along. You can't throw him to the walls. He's got to make some plays. He's got to gain some confidence. And as you said, he, uh, you know, he got beat a couple of times. But if you play out there all by yourself, you're going to get beat. Players in the NFL get beat that they pay two million or ten million a year for. So they're playing that type of coverage with your corners, and when you play against great receivers and you don't get to the quarterback, uh, this is going to happen, especially when you don't have any safety help. So, uh, yeah, he's come along. He's come along, uh, and you just gotta, you gotta, you just gotta bring him along. It's just like a baby that you, you teach how to walk and run and cover, and every time he plays, he learns something. Every time he gets beat, he learns something. So it's not all bad. It's a difficult place to play. And uh, I think what Clancy is doing is he wants to teach him to do it the hardest way first. And I used to do that, too, with my defense. I'd teach a base defense first. And you'd learn to play that right before we ever put in a flat or a gap or a stunt or anything. And uh, right now, he isn't giving them any help. He's saying, you're going to learn this, and they're out there learning it. And eventually, they'll, they'll say, i got to do this right, or else I'm going to give up a touchdown. So uh, I think that's what's happening. And number 17 uh, is in there a lot. I think he's running second club. Or, uh, I'm not sure, but he's on the field a lot this spring, and that'll make him a better player. Yeah, he is. He's mostly working with the second team right now, Coach. And uh, we've got a couple quick ones we'll get to, and we'll let you go. Uh, Kevin in South OC says, do you believe one of the changes for the offense will be running more plays, say 73-plus or so, this year, a la New England Patriots, who in that same vein, and also the chances you see more tight end involvement this year, like we expected last year but sorely missed. That's Kevin in South OC. Well, I hope I hope so, because when you have ball control, you have control of the game. When you're on offense and you have control of the ball, the other offense doesn't have the ball, so the best defense is ball control when you have the ball on offense. When you have the ball and you're controlling the game, the other team just stands and watches the game. And the way you do that is run the football, pound people, believe in the running game, and utilize your players against the schemes they're using. USC probably has one or two potential first-round draft choices at tight end. They have receivers who are potentially first-round draft choices, or will be. And uh, Woods now is going to be a first-round draft choice. His stock is really moved up. So when you have these type of players, you want to utilize them, and that with a running game with Justin Davis and Red, and, of course, Allen having such a good spring. If you continue to pound the football and – hold the football and 
have more plays than the other team has and more first downs than the other team has and more time of possession than the other team has. You put a lot of stress on the other team's offense. And all of a sudden when they go in, they feel stressful. We better score or do something because if we don't move the football, we're going to be waiting another 10 minutes before (laughs) we go back in the game. And that happens. And then teams start to panic. And if you're scoring at the same time that you're holding all the football, they get farther behind and they start to lose confidence. So, yes, I hope SC follows this type of offensive philosophy. Pound, 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 play action, pass, pound. But I want you to know something. Defenses will not honor the play action pass unless you're running the football. So don't play action pass unless you're running the football. Don't be a pretender. Establish what it takes to make the play action pass work. All right. Then one last one. This is from Andres, who mentioned about the April Fool's joke earlier. Um, He says, what kind of season does USC need to have for Coach Lane Kiffin to keep his job? And maybe, Coach, I know you don't like to talk about firings and stuff, but what would you maybe define as a successful season or a failure season for USC as far as record goes? Well, I don't know. you got to ask Pat Hayden that question. Yeah. <laughs> because he's, he's the boss who will be making that, that type of decision. I think what everybody's looking for is if they see the football team gets better. You know, sometimes when a team doesn't have that, that big high profile of being number one in the country and Heisman Trophy winners, teams play better. Fans don't expect as much. And when that team starts to be successful and goes along, everyone starts to say, hey, can you believe this? You know, things have changed here. Things are better here. We're making progress. And what that does is give you longevity. Sometimes I used to tell coaches the worst thing you do is you go and you win early and then you go the wrong way. It's you go, you win 10 games, the next year you win eight games and go seven games, everybody says, what's wrong with this guy? Rather than go six, seven, eight, 10, 11, 11, 11. All of a sudden, he's a legend. So what happened to Lane Kiffin? He came in, had a what, an eight and five, I think it was. Then he went ten and two, and then all of a sudden, everyone expected them to be in Miami for the national championship game, and nothing else would be acceptable. And when it continued to fall down, then it became a complete. I don't want to. I don't want to say what it was, but it was a complete. <laughs> Uh, disappointment. I think that's the best thing to say. Okay. So now people are looking to see with the change of the coaches, maybe the change of the philosophy, the new defensive coordinator, people are waiting to see what's going to happen. So I think the biggest question mark out there is how does this team get better? Does this team improve? Does this team get back and win football games? And I'm going to tell you, as far as the number of football games, I won't put a number on it. But they got to win a certain number of games to be a better football team. Otherwise, uh, any coach in the country isn't going to survive. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about the USC football team. Next week, we can talk about the spring scrimmage, where a lot of the fans will actually be able to see the scrimmage. So I think we'll get a lot of questions. So next week, make sure after you watch the scrimmage, send in your questions on Sunday. We'll try to answer all the scrimmage questions you have. We'll have uh, Dan Weber come back on again and and talk about what's going on in the, the final scrimmage. I can't believe spring ball is just about over, Coach. One more week and we're done. 
It is. It has really gone fast. And for everyone that's listening, it's going to be on the Pac-12 network. Now, a lot of people can get it and a lot of people can't. And it's also going to be uh, broadcast on ESPN from 1 to 4. So you can listen to it. ESPN Radio. Uh, Pardon uh, me? ESPN Radio in Los Angeles, I believe. Yeah, what did I say? You said ESPN, but it'll be broadcast on ESPN Radio, the 710 in L.A. And I think, Coach, the Pac-12 network will only be in the Los Angeles area, too. So, like, if you're in Seattle and you get the Pac-12 network, I don't think you'll be able to watch the USC scrimmage. I think it's only regional, but I'm not 100% on that. You're probably right. I'm glad you're clarifying that. And <laughs> I am because uh, I want to make sure we, we pass on the right information. And if you're coming to the scrimmage, uh, come on down. Walk, walk by where we're broadcasting it from. There we're going to be right above one of the tunnels. I, forget, I think it's on the 50-yard line. And say hi. And uh, we'd love to see you. Yeah, and that, Ryan, again, I want to thank you for everything. No problem, Coach. Thank you. And, uh, again, no more April Fool's prank. So I'm sorry I put you in that position, <laughs> Coach. And I'm sorry to oh, yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. But we do have a special guest coming up in 30 seconds. Colin Coward, host of The Herd on ESPN Radio. Has almost half a million Twitter followers, a lot big following, a national uh, media member. He'll be coming on the show in 30 seconds. Stay tuned for that. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a very special guest. He's the host of The Herd with Colin Cowher on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. You can hear him from 7 to 10 a.m. out here on the Pacific in the West Coast, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the East Coast. It's Colin Cowher. He's on the radio tour for ESPN Radio, and he's actually broadcasting locally from Los Angeles all week, and you can follow him on Twitter, ESPN underscore Colin. I think he has just under 500,000 followers. Maybe the podcast will help him get over that half a million mark. Colin Coward <laughs> joining us. How are you doing, Colin? I'm doing great. Anytime talking USC football, I'm in. Excellent, excellent. Uh, all right, we always have a good time talking USC football, and we had a whole bunch of questions from uh, USC fans. We put up on the Peristyle on uscfootball.com. They wanted to hear what Colin Cowherd had to say. You, you mind taking some questions from some of the fans? I'd love to. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right in. We have uh, Al from Pennsylvania. He wants to know: Do you have a photographic memory? You seem so young and bright. He wants to know because all the, the sports knowledge you have. Do you have a photographic memory, Colin? No, I'm not that young. You know, I'm I'm in my late 40s. So I think a lot of people, because uh, I kind of have a high voice and talk a million miles an hour, sometimes maybe think I'm young. But um, you know, it's just like a doctor who's done something for 25 years. Some Sometimes you have instincts. I've just been doing this so long that you kind of store a lot of information. Still make mistakes. I mean, you can't talk as fast and as much as I do without mistakes, but I appreciate that. It's a very nice thing to say. Cool. Uh, Cliff1144 uh, on the Peristyle wants to know, how long have you liked USC? Well, I'm, of all the sports in the world, I'm a Pac-10, Pac-12 football fan first. Uh, I grew up with it. 
And I was a kid in Seattle, and the Huskies were great. I never resented the California teams. A lot of people in Washington resent Californians because they went up there and drove the housing prices up. I never did. Uh, I, I was on the field and, and had very good seats. Uh, but once a year, I'd go to a Husky game, and I tried to make it the USC game, and I'd wear a USC hat and a Husky shirt. And I just, I always liked the teams. I loved Marcus Allen teams. And I mean, I go way back to the mid-70s and early 70s. So um, I just always respect them. And then Pete Carroll took the program over, and there was just such a good vibe and an energy. And I was on 710 ESPN, which had the USC rights. So I've just, I've always followed the conference very closely. USC has always been sort of, kind of feels like L.A. City team. And as a kid, I always, you know, I didn't resent L.A. I loved L.A. I thought it was, you know, the land of opportunity, and, and I've just kind of always been a fan. All right. Uh, let's see. We have Joe in Las Vegas, uh, your old stomping grounds. He says, I was wondering if you could ask Colin his thoughts on the Andy Enfield hiring. Uh, also ask him if you think college basketball can work at USC at the big-time level. Well, I think it, it, you, it can work. It'll never be USC football. College basketball has deteriorated, even at the biggest schools in the last 20 years, because the players don't want to stay. A college uh, basketball has become an apartment complex. Nobody with aspirations or talent wants to be there too long, and they want to get to the next place, which is the NBA. Uh, Andy Enfield wasn't their first choice. Young, uh, you know, he's a little bit like Lane Kiffin. Young, uh, a lot of energy, uh, you know, the beautiful wife. And, um, you know, he's going to have detractors if he doesn't win quickly. I think it's imperative, much for Lane, like Andy, to hire a staff of veterans who can help him in the lack of experience. But I think his energy will serve him because I think college sports is often all about energy. And can you work around the clock? All right. Uh, kind of a follow-up to that. David Allen, 760, says, uh, is Colin Team Layla or Team Amanda? <laughs> well, I'm Team Layla. I don't know Team Amanda. Uh, uh, I know Layla very well. She is just a world-class person. Uh, the Kiffins have treated me very well. And, I, you know, I'm a fan of Lane. Now, he's got to win this year. Um, but, uh, you know, if they can get the quarterback situation, I like Kessler more than Max Wittick. I think a guy who can make plays with their feet uh, in this day and age helps. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm rooting for the Kiffins. Um, let's see. Southern Cal fan wants to know, uh, what did you feel was the reason for the major collapse uh, with USC last year? Well, I mean, they averaged over 30 a game. The defense was just awful. And, I mean, that Arizona game and those Oregon games, they could have won those games, should have won those games. And I think they would have beaten Notre Dame if Matt Barkley was healthy. And I think what really happened was, and, I, and, I, and I've said this on the air and I've told Lane this, is they, they came, became too much about Marquise Lee. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in spreading the ball around. Uh, Marquis is obviously a tremendously gifted, transcendent talent. I thought their offense, I thought they struggled on third down all year. They lacked a certain toughness. Um, I thought they were a good pass-blocking O-line, but a poor run-blocking O-line. And I think more than anything, their defense just could not. I mean, listen, they scored 51 against Oregon. I mean, Oregon's defense was actually really good last year. They scored 51 against them, and they couldn't make a single stop. I mean, Arizona was embarrassing. I mean, they moved up and down the field. Marquis Lee had almost 400 yards. They couldn't make stops. So, you know, the, the, the Stanford loss is a legit loss, but the other ones, they win those games with just one or two defensive plays. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, I guess kind of a follow-up to that. You know, you saw what happened last year. Running Figaro wants to know, do you believe the changes that Lane has made in the offseason, coaching, defensive scheme, getting back to physical practices, do you think that's going to translate ultimately into USC having success and Lane keeping his job? 
Well, I think, uh, number one, uh, Justin Davis has provided a really nice spark. I think they're going to have depth at running back uh, between Silas Red and Trey Madden and Justin Davis and D.J. Morgan and uh, uh, Buck Allen and uh, uh, Ty, is it Ty Isaac, I think, is the young freshman yeah. who's not on campus. Right, yeah. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to be able to pound the football. I mean, that's been the real problem. I mean, last year, McNeil and Red were constantly hurt. And so you had to go into every game thinking, okay, McNeil's hurt. If Silas Rudd gets banged up, we're down to our third guy. You know, I, I think, I mean, my only reason, you know, A, they got too vested with Marquise Lee last year. But my other knock, and this is, uh, this is my biggest concern with Lane Kiffin, is that if you're going to go with Max Wittick, who doesn't make plays with his feet, and you're going to continue to run fullback offenses, then you're only making me guard two receivers, a tight end, and a tailback. Four. I got 11 defenders. I believe fullback should be a 12-play max player in USC system. It should be a three-wide receiver system. Between Nelson Aguilar, who I think is every bit as good as Robert Woods, and you'll see that over the year, and Marquise Lee, even with Farmer's injury, they have tremendous skill at wide receiver. In a way, Farmer's injury although terrible for Farmer, allows other young players to play and veteran players. They have so much depth at wide receiver, it, it's not as crowded now. Plus, they have three really good young tight ends. So to me, I think it really comes down to length. Is he willing to roll the dice with the quarterback who is not a prototypical USC kid? A little shorter, a little bit of a runner, Cody Kessler, a little bit of a playmaker, without the huge arm, you know, USC historically 6'5", sits in the pocket, throws darts. That's Max Brown. That's Wittick. Kessler's not. He's a playmaker. I think Kessler needs to play, and I think they have to eliminate largely the fullback position. And I think the offense is going to score a lot of points. And I think Clancy Pendergrass proved this at Cal. He turned around a program defensively in one year. That's why Lane liked it. He's a guy that can come in, simplify the defense. Their personnel, from safety to their front seven, is actually really gifted. No, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of talent. Depth, I think, is continues to be a concern here. And I, I you know, I, I can't believe no one asked you this one, but I'll, I'll just ask it myself. When you talk about changing the offense a little bit, do you think Lane Kiffin's going to retain the uh, the play calling duties, or do you think he's going to let Clay Helton call the majority of the plays? I would let Clay Helton call the plays. Um, you know, uh, I think he can oversee it, but you know, the two things to me. Lane's got to get over these media skirmishes. They're silly. It's it's not big. It's you know, when Pete Carroll was here, people fell in love with the program. People want to love USC football. Allow them to love the program. Bring people in. Have some fun. Open practices. Um, I think he's got to get over that. Um, you know, and secondly, be the boss. I mean, Pat Hayden shouldn't be coaching softball. He should be overseeing it. Be the boss. Let Clay Helton call the plays. Listen, you've got talent here. Now, are there some depth issues at corner? Yes. In the NFL, you've got 55 guys. Lane's got 70, okay? And it's not as violent, and you have fewer games. They've got enough players. Let your coaches coach, or let them go. Let them coach or let them go. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mr. Whatever213 asked you about what you do difference with the offense. I think you answered that uh, pretty thoroughly. Um, go Troy yeah. wants to know, uh, what do you think the national opinion of the USC program is today? Do you think Kiffin's a ten and two coach or a seven and six coach? Well, I mean, remember before the losing streak, I think he'd won seventeen or twenty games, and they were good enough to be a preseason one and two. So everybody's got revisionist history. Lane's no good. Well, then why did everybody have him a preseason number one? 
Um, they're a lot like Kentucky basketball. They're a glamour program. They are. If Kentucky wants you and you're a five-star kid, Kentucky gets you. If USC wants you and you're, you know, pretty much, you know, Denver West, USC gets you generally. So it's a glamour program. I think I think people know that they always get unique talent, especially a quarterback, wide receiver, you know, linebacker. Um, but I think the the jury's still out on Lane. I think he has to grow up. And again, I think they have to go to three wide receiver sets. I think they have to eliminate the fullback, and I think they have to have a quarterback that makes plays with his feet. Doesn't have to be the spread offense. Doesn't have to be RG three, but it has to be somebody who keeps the defense honest. Um, and then running Figueroa, I want to know who do you, where do you have USC ranked in your early preseason poll? Very difficult. Um, you know, again, let's wait until after fall, Ryan, because depth. If Leonard Williams went down. And Case Pollard went down. I wouldn't like him nearly as much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to. I want to see those guys in the box defensively. I, I'm not worried about their offense. I mean, even at quarterback, even with Whitick, I think they can make plays. Um, I'm not really worried. I, I would say this: their depth is better than people think. I mean, now at running back, they have depth. Wide receiver, they have depth. They have some depth on the offensive line now. Outside of center, they're very solid. Um, they have depth at linebacker. They have some guys up front. And this next recruiting class, they're going to have to take probably three corners and three defensive ends. Uh, they, they, they'll get by this year, but they need depth there. But safety, they're loaded. Linebacker, they've got real players. So they, got, they, got, they have plenty of players. I, I don't know where to rank them. I think Alabama's the best team in the country coming back. Um, I think Georgia is very, very good. I think Oregon and Stanford are. I would put them outside of the top ten based solely on I want to see their health because there is a depth concern. I want to see their health after fall camp. Um, I'm curious what you think about the uh, the three four alignment. That you know, it's kind of like a five two front that they're using right now. I mean, I just from watching practice, I've just really been impressed with how much pressure they're able to get on the quarterback, and it seems like it fits the the personnel well. Is this something you think is going to kind of help the USC defense kind of going forward with the Clancy Pendergast? You know, I don't know enough about it. Um, what I am concerned about Morgan Breslin dropping into space. Morgan Breslin. Um, and Kennard can rush the passer. Can they drop into space? Can they make a tackle and a tailback in space? I mean, Morgan's a pass rusher. Is he multidimensional? Is he multitask capable? I know he can rush the passer on the edge. So now you're asking some of those guys occasionally to drop back in coverage. Um, listen, here's what we know USC does well. They throw the ball, and they rush the passer. The less, you know, unlike the Lakers, who don't do anything well, <laughs> here's what USC does well. USC gets after the quarterback. And USC can throw the ball down the field vertically. So that I'm not worried about. What I'm concerned about defensively, the corners. Can you make stops? Can you create pass rushes that will allow an average set of corners? Um, they don't have to be in coverage four to five seconds. They can be in coverage two and a half to three. I think that'll be cable. I think the young corners will get better, and I do think USC's pass rush will allow their corners to make some plays because they won't be in coverage that long. Secondly, you know, you watch USC's corners. Yeah, of course they're struggling now. They're facing Marquise Lee and Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> well, hell, nobody's got receivers like that. So it's like saying, you know, the Niners' corners were no good when they had to face John Taylor and Jerry Rice. Of course USC corners are struggling, and they're running vanilla packages right now with a new defensive coordinator. 
It's funny. It's it's interesting too that you mentioned Nelson Aguilar a couple of times because not a lot of people, especially on a national stage, are really know who he was. He was a five star guy, but he's really been impressive this spring, especially when when Marquise Lee was out. Like you like you mentioned, I mean, he just looks like he could step in and take Robert Woods' spot right now. He just seems like he's that good of a talent. Oh yeah, he's. In fact, I would say um, I don't know this for sure, but zero to forty, you know, the sports car, he's faster than Woods. Now, does he come out of his breaks as elegantly as Robert Woods did? Probably not. Um, I will tell you this. His burst is better than Robert Woods. His flat speed is better. He's faster than Robert Woods. Uh, Robert had a unique ability to come out of his cuts at full speed, which is impossible to teach. I mean, he just, he's a natural. Robert had very good hands. Aguilar is more explosive. Robert probably more consistent. You're not going to get 13 catch games out of Nelson Aguilar. I think you'll get eight catch games with more explosive over-the-top plays. All right. Uh, Marty S.C. Syke, he says, please ask Colin, I'm a great fan of his, what it's like for him to have to deal with the guys in Bristol who either ignore or have negative impressions of the Pac-12 and seem to prop up the SEC. Does he feel like he's the lone voice in the wilderness since he's a West Coast guy? Well, the SEC right now is the best conference between the people they put in the draft and their depth and winning national titles. I think everybody... ESPN gets USC. Listen, we root for USC at Bristol because it's good for our ratings. You know, USC is a glamour program in a glamour market. There's four or five programs in this country we want to win. USC, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame or Michigan. Those are Texas. Texas. Those are very good programs for us when they win. So people understand. I mean, nothing against Oregon, but Oregon's a small state. They're not a traditional power. So it just means more when USC wins. Interesting. All right. Uh, we got a couple more quick ones we'll get to. Go Troy. Is Mark Sanchez's career as an NFL starter over, or was he just a victim of the skill level and distractions, quote-unquote, Tebow, around him last season? I don't think it's over. I think there's a ceiling on what he can do. He needs a running game. Mark Sanchez can throw on third and two fine. He can't throw on third and 11 in this league. He a poorly run franchise. He has virtually no help. I think he's a better version of Alex Smith, but I do think there are limitations. Uh, a couple of people asked about Matt Barkley as well, what you think about him as NFL prospects. Well, I, I wish I had a, a glossier uh, prediction, but in the NFL, in my opinion, if you look at the top 15 guys in the league, they all are great at something. Matt's got good feet, but not great. Good arm, not great. Line of scrimmage, he's good, not great. Size, good, not great. He's not great at anything, so he's going to need more people around him to excel. I would love to see him go early second round, late first, sit for two years, develop more arm strength, learn a system, have a team where he doesn't have to carry it, then I think he could succeed. A bunch of people wrote in actually about the NCAA. Uh, Matt wrote in, he says, I love how you stick up for SC in regards to them getting screwed by the NCAA. Do you think the general public will ever realize that the NCAA had a vendetta against SC and we're going to bring them down by any means possible. And he says, by the way, someone who grew up in La Jolla and now lives in Hermosa, which city will you retire to? Nah, they're both great. I haven't decided yet. They're both great. Um, well, I think the NCAA is just inefficient. Um, I don't think, I don't even know if it's an agenda. They just bungled, you know, they just, they just, you know, Paul D, the late Paul D had a chip on his shoulder. It's not a well-run organization. They butchered the Miami case I and mean, they took a criminal case with no subpoena power in Penn State and basically ruined their program. Here's the good news for USC. Because of the smaller class last year and what they returned, they're in good shape. Next year, they'll have 21-22 scholarships available, Ryan, as you know. Um, 
they're pretty much done with the scholarship issues because USC can recruit such a quality player. They don't have to redshirt guys, build them up. They can bring kids in like Leonard Williams. They can bring kids in like Aguilar Lee and play them immediately outside of maybe the offensive line. So the reality with USC is the probation's over. They're on TV. The sanctions, if you have a class of 21 or 22 next year, that's larger than Pete Carroll classes. So USC from this point forward, if they can maintain health, they're fine this point forward. All right, then one last one. It's Ron, 1960, and Sackman, 55. Both wanted to know if you were a member of uscfootball.com and how often do you and your staffers check up on the peristyle? Well, I go to rivals.com probably 300 days a year. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm a huge – I just follow – I mean, your distribution chart, uh, I wish I would have given the periodical chart in high school that much attention. <laughs> I, 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 your audience should know that I call you from time to time and say, move this guy here and there. And, and Brian, I just, I just talked to this guy. Uh, I follow it uh, meticulously. You do tremendous work. Um, I really follow the, follow the numbers and the depth chart very closely. I don't get these people who have these college football websites and don't have depth charts. Depth charts are every, right now for USC, everything's their depth chart. Now, maybe for Alabama, where they oversigned and have for USC, it's all in the depth chart. What do they have? Do they have a good, capable backup player. Now, they're very lucky this year. They didn't play a lot of physical teams once again up front. They get Stanford, I uh, they get Stanford at home. Um, I don't think they have to face Washington or Oregon. This year, really, if they can maintain defensively up front health, this has a chance to be a good team. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the schedule's fairly light. Like you said, no Oregon, no Washington. But I think it, it kind of ups the ante a little bit that even a 10-3 and three season, how impressive would that be? I mean, winning nine games when you're not playing Oregon and you're not playing Washington. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's I think the expectations are going to be raised, not to where they were last year, but they're going to be pretty high with the fairly easy schedule and that extra, you know, that extra home game because you play at Hawaii. Yeah, it's um, I hate to say this, I think they should go undefeated. Wow. I look at their schedule, and I think, I, you know, in my opinion, outside of Stanford, I look at them and think they'll be favored in every game by eight points or more. So if you don't win, that falls on the staff. There's no excuse. USC's got better players. Barring several key defensive losses up front, they're the most talented conference easily. So, I mean, again, the sanctions are over. And the only thing I was disappointed with this last class, I thought the last class was great. The problem is I thought they should have brought in four more linebackers just to play special teams. I thought, you know, Alabama's got a ton of three-star guys. I would have just signed linebackers, kids, athletes, three-star kids, go play special teams. I don't want my starting linebacker on the kickoff team. That's what worries me. They're going to lose guys to special teams injuries. Or, let's say, for instance, you're in a blowout game against Hawaii. Do you really want Leonard Williams on the field with eight minutes to go? That's where depth, that's where I disagree with Kiffin. You don't need all five-star guys. Alabama's got a lot of three-star guys. You need those three-star guys late in blowout wins. Get them off the field with eight minutes to go. That's where I think they'll. I'm, I'm concerned. That's why I can't put them in the top ten. They're going to be having Leonard Williams going to be on the game in a thirty-point blowout. Yeah. You, you, that's just you can't. You can't have that. Really interesting, though. Like thinking it could go undefeated. I mean, they were pretty much favored or going to be favored in just about every game last year as well. They didn't obviously didn't fare out as well. But you think it can? You think that can change a little bit this year? Well, I mean, who matches up with them? 
who nobody matches up with. Stan David Shaw would come on this right now and say, "Well, USC's got better talent." Outside the hash marks, nobody in this conference is close. They just outrun people. There are NFL players everywhere. So I, it's not about not winning. It's about efficiency. It's about, you know, again, I don't like fullbacks and slow-footed quarterbacks. That makes me only cover four people. I don't – this should be a three-wide offense, single back. You go Riddick and a fullback, you have allowed me to not even concern myself with two of your offensive players. You go three-wide – Lee left side, got to double him. Aguilar right side, well, uh, I can't double him. What am I going to do with him? Now you put a third guy in the slot? Nobody can run with USC. Now I don't have a fullback. I have a quarterback who can occasionally, three to four times a game, keep me honest. That offense wouldn't be stopped here. You know, we blame the offensive line for all their problems, but when you have a quarterback like Barkley who didn't move and you're on the fullback, I can put a number in the box, more people than you have to block. So I, I, I have a problem. I think they should be more up-tempo. I think when you have better talent, you want more plays. I don't want you huddling. Why would I want you huddling? You've got better players. I want more plays, not fewer. That's why the Patriots went no huddle. They want more Gronk, more Hernandez, more Welker, more Brady, <laughs> more Brandon Lloyd. When you get a talent advantage, you want more plays. USC does its rivals a favor. Huddle, slow, walk, fullback. You're doing the opposition a favor. I want more plays, no huddles, three wides, put massive pressure always on defenses in the conference. Hey, Carl, that's great stuff, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. I guess before we let you go, maybe you can let people know what you're doing out here in Los Angeles this week and what your plans are. Coming out, I come out about three times a year to L.A. Uh, because I am the ESPN voice of the West Coast. Going to watch the Lakers and Angels with the Dodgers, but they're out of town in San Diego and Arizona. Uh, whenever I come out there, I try to go to USC practices, and uh, just I come out here, meet some advertisers for a week, show my LA love, and and uh, fight on. We'll be in here. All right, well, Colin, thanks again. Really, I know you got a busy schedule while you're out here, but really appreciate you taking out some time to talk with us on the Parastyle Podcast. Oh, I love being on. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks very much, Colin Cower, and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning into the Parastyle Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.